You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's December 14th. The Syrian civil war has displaced about 12 million people. While many have been displaced within Syria, others have fled across its borders. The largest number of Syrian refugees live in three neighboring countries, Turkey, Jordan, and Lebanon. According to a new RAND report, Syrians living in these countries are active contributors to the local economies. But to add even more value, they need better training and opportunities. The report found that most Syrians want to work, but many have not been able to find jobs beyond low-wage employment. Refugees could better contribute to local labor markets if they were trained for middle-skill jobs. It would also be beneficial if Syrians could relocate to areas with manufacturing firms that need workers. Increased job-matching services could help too. This would not only aid refugees in finding better employment, but also help ensure overall economic stability. Shelley Colbertson, a co-author of this report, says that with more than 5 million refugees living in Turkey, Jordan, and Lebanon, ongoing humanitarian assistance isn't enough to support them indefinitely. She adds that refugees need the self-sufficiency that comes with jobs and the ability to contribute to the economies of their host countries. Training and job matching, she says, are key to achieving this. British Prime Minister Theresa May survived her party's no-confidence vote on Wednesday but the fate of the Brexit deal she negotiated with other European leaders remains unclear. And currently, there doesn't appear to be a fallback plan. Rand's Charles Rees says that even if Brexit negotiations were to resume, a better agreement probably isn't possible. So what about leaving Europe without a deal? A Rand study found that this option, in which Britain would simply operate under World Trade Organization rules, would produce the highest economic cost of all for the UK. In that scenario, the estimated loss in GDP 10 years after Brexit would be $140 billion. Reese also adds that beyond the economic losses, crashing out of Europe with no deal is likely to cause chaos at the Irish border. And more broadly, the resulting economic upheaval could risk the overall stability and strength of the West. How much influence do teachers have in their schools? According to a new RAND survey, that depends on who you ask. In the survey, RAND researchers asked a nationally representative sample of teachers and principals what they thought about the role of teachers in making decisions at their schools. Here's a rundown of the responses. 96% of principals said they believed teachers were involved in important school decisions, but only 58% of teachers agreed. Similarly, 98% of principals said that teachers have a lot of opportunity to influence what happens at a school. Only 62% of teachers felt this way. And finally, 97% of principals said that teachers in their schools were comfortable voicing concerns. But a significant number of teachers surveyed, 31%, said they were not comfortable voicing their concerns. These gaps between teachers and school leaders signal a disconnect that could foster professional stagnation and frustration. To help address it, principals should examine the leadership opportunities they believe they're providing for their teachers and make changes that will foster regular dialogue about important school decisions. Qatar is gearing up to host the 2022 FIFA World Cup. To help officials prepare, Rand Europe is examining why fans sometimes engage in bad behavior at soccer matches, such as violence, vandalism, and assault. 
According to the study, there is no single cause for this behavior, but there are a few tactics that have been effective in preventing it. These tactics include using security cameras, establishing mandatory transportation arrangements for visiting fans, and setting early kickoff times. There is also evidence that low-intensity policing, that is, policing methods that try to cultivate communication and respect between fans and police, is associated with more peaceful crowds. At the same time, police still need to be prepared to scale up their response should the situation call for it. Nearly a quarter of Americans now live in a state that has passed a ballot initiative to legalize marijuana, and more states are likely to follow. But what happens after it becomes legal to produce and sell marijuana? Rand's Bo Kilmer says that unlike most commodities, where good policy means bringing consumers the lowest price, cannabis is different. Typically, the price of cannabis plummets with legalization, and the resulting low prices can have undesirable effects, both on heavy users and on the market. Daily or near-daily users account for about 80% of total marijuana consumption. And for some of these people, marijuana has become a problem in their lives. Access to cheaper, more potent products is not likely to help them. For cannabis producers, low prices are also an issue. Low prices mean low wages for workers and potential bankruptcy for all but the most efficient operations. For those who want the legal cannabis market to provide economic opportunities for the individuals and communities that have been disproportionately affected by cannabis prohibition, this is especially problematic. According to Kilmer, there are two approaches that can address the steep decline in price that comes with legalization. Setting minimum prices, like some jurisdictions do with tobacco and alcohol, is one way, and a tax based on THC content could also help. A THC tax would remain steady as prices fall, and it could prevent the market from moving toward more potent products. Online campaigns to counter violent extremism are growing, but are they working? A new RAND study finds that measuring their success is difficult, and a more data-driven and experimental approach is needed in order to assess their real impact. The study looked at one particular campaign, called the Redirect Method. Its goal is to prevent unobstructed access to extremist content online. To achieve this, the campaign targeted individuals searching for violent jihadist or violent far-right content. These targeted users were then shown Google ads that offered alternative narratives to the violent content they were searching for. Our study revealed that users clicked on the alternative content ads at a rate on par with industry standards. But what researchers couldn't determine is if that content affected users' attitudes or behavior. This is just one example of the complexity in trying to measure the impact of these kinds of campaigns. But better understanding their effectiveness could help address the escalating radicalization and extremist recruitment on social media. Rand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. See you next week. Thank、you